Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Cross the Brazos and Waco. Ride hard and I'll make it by dawn. Cross the Brazos and Waco. Welcome to the Waco History Podcast. I'm Randy Lane, great-grandson of Waco architect Roy E. Lane. Over 100 years ago, he designed the Alico Building, Hippodrome, and other well-known landmarks. My co-host, Dr. Stephen Sloan of Baylor's Institute for Oral History, is helping me learn Waco's known and unknown stories. On this episode, Waco's most jailed doctor. We don't really agree with the way you're doing it. You didn't get the same training we did. Dr. Andrew Ostrike is in the studio today to talk to us about Dr. Charles Limley. Really, the American Medical Association were throwing a lot of chiropractors into jail for practicing medicine without a license. And now, join us on a trip into Waco's past. Cross the Brazos and Waco, ride hard and I'll make it by dawn. Cross the Brazos and Waco, I'm safe when I reach San Antonio. Welcome back to the Waco History Podcast. And Randy, you've got a guest for us today. Who's our guest? He came up and talked to me when we did our presentation at One Million Cups, Dr. Andrew Ostrike, who's here. And he had a very interesting story for me. And one of my favorite things about doing this podcast is finding stories that not only did I not know about, but that most people don't know about. I had no idea about the story. So let's learn about it. So Andrew, uh, first, let's get some background on you. Who are you and how long you been here in Waco? So I moved here in March of this year. So just about six months from New Braunfels. Newbie. Originally, yep. Home of the unicorns. So another little fun fact, our (laughs) our high school mascot was the unicorn. Very proud of it. Born and raised there and uh, went to chiropractic school in Dallas. Texas at Parker University, graduated there in December 2017, went to University of Texas before that, hook them, you know, for better or for worse <laughs> here, here in Waco, uh, graduated there and then actually moved to uh, upstate New York to work in a chiropractic office up there okay. uh, for about a year, one of the largest practices actually in the country, really specializing in pediatric prenatal chiropractic care. And then God just really led me down here to Waco. Thought it was going to be back home in New Braunfels with all my family. And he said, nope, I've got other plans for you. And I said, are you sure? Are you sure, Waco? This is where I'm supposed to be. And he said, yes. And so moved here. And as I kind of started you know, learning more about, hey, this is kind of the history of Waco, which is very unique, as obviously y'all, y'all understand. There's oh, we a lot love of, the history. There's, yeah. a, lot, there's yeah. a lot of fun facts and nuggets <laughs> that are going in here. And as you kind of start digging up some stuff, you start finding some stuff. And that's kind of where we got our, our topic for today. So you have a very interesting character that you brought forward here today. Let's yeah. talk about him. Yes, let's talk about him. Uh, it is Dr. Charles Lemley. Okay. He actually is one of Texas's first chiropractors, really back in the early 1900s. So chiropractic was founded in uh, 1895 okay. uh, by D.D. Palmer in Iowa. And so in these early years, it kind of stayed in that Midwest area. And then as obviously chiropractic started to grow, started to spread across the country too. And so he was one of the first chiropractors here in Texas. And he is most famously known as being one of the most jailed chiropractors (laughs) of all time. 
So what does someone have to do to be jailed as a chiropractor? Today, that looks very different. Yes, I would <laughs> say so. <laughs> than, than, than very early How did on. you get sent to jail? <laughs> yeah, his, his record probably looked a little bit different than mine. So right? let's talk about like what the atmosphere was for a chiropractor back in the day. That's probably a good place to start, right? Yeah, it's a great place to start. And so really early on, as this new profession is is growing, there's really other professions looking on. It's kind of tough to understand what, what a chiropractor is doing. You know, we're, we're looking at that spine. We're making adjustments to that spine, you know, putting those bones in that proper position from someone that is watching that for the first time. They're probably going, what the heck is this guy doing? Or right. what is this big look cracking like? sound when you yeah. get adjusted? Yeah, absolutely. And so, but what's happening is there's, there's a lot of these patients that are coming into these, these chiropractic offices that are finding health, finding, you know, these, these things that they're coming in with that they no longer suffer from, mm-hmm. from the medical community. They're kind of seeing that as, Hey, you're kind of encroaching on our turf. You know, our, our job is to help people get healthy. Right. And so what, what are you doing? You're not doing it the way that we're doing it those kinds of things. And so there was kind of from, from very early stages, we don't really agree with the way you're doing it. You didn't get the same training we did. You didn't get the same licensing that you did. You're not practicing the way that we do. So really it was, it was very tough early on for chiropractors. And for that reason, really the American Medical Association were throwing a lot of chiropractors into jail for practicing medicine without a license. And that's mm-hmm. really kind of what that state was really in the first 20 years of really from the first initially early on, but that even lasted all the way up into, you know, the seventies and Louisiana was the last state to recognize chiropractic as a, as a true profession uh, to be licensed. And that was in 1973. Wow. Who is this character, Dr. Lemley? Yes. Dr. Lemley, he was at the forefront of the fight and he was very, very passionate about bringing, you know, health and healing to Texas and being willing to sacrifice a lot of really, I guess his free time, <laughs> really <laughs> sacrifice that time. And so he was, I believe he was originally from Waco and decided to, to lay down roots here long term. Okay. He actually really pioneered the legislation that recognized chiropractors as licensed doctors in Texas. He was a former president of the Texas Chiropractic Association early on in its years. So if you think kind of the politics of a, of a profession in terms of fighting for rights, you know, in government, he was the guy. Do you know where his practice was back in the day? He had a, a few different locations, but one of the places that he had for a year, it was the Lemley Chiropractic Psychopathic Sanatorium is what <laughs> is what the long name was. So sanatorium is a place for treatment of chronic illnesses. Mm -hmm. So people would be long-term there uh, at that place. And that location was actually right on Austin Avenue. Okay, He was really right in the center of town, really helping serve this Waco community. Do you know what part of Austin Avenue? He was at the East Terrace House. He was at the East Terrace House, and I believe he was there in 1929. 1929. Yeah, okay. so East Terrace is, just to give you kind of reference point, isn't on Austin Avenue, but it's over on Martin Luther King Boulevard now. Okay. And if you can think of where Waterworks is, it's the yeah. big house that's right beside Waterworks. Oh, okay, yeah. And so you can kind of see East Terrace was a grand house that was in the Mann family, and so it... It's come up before in our podcast. You could have turned it into a hospital. It has a grand ballroom. It Mm -hmm. has large rooms and many bedrooms. So it could have worked for that. From what I read, you know, that that building was full Mm -hmm. for a majority of that year that he was there. So... I mean, how, how many, you know, about how many rooms would probably be in, in that uh, house? It's big. It's big. I did not know how many bedrooms it has in the house and how many rooms they would use as bedrooms then. I mean, it's it's a big house. We'll have to ask Dr. Hayferty. I'm sure he'd Yeah, know. he would know. Does he know the risks of being potentially put in jail when he opens up shop? Absolutely. 
in these times, there's a lot of stories across the country where the chiropractors had actually practice out of their homes. What they would do is a lot of the homes on their front door, they would have a kind of a sliding, you know, lookout. And because <laughs> like a speakeasy, kind of like a speakeasy. Yeah. <laughs> and really the, the patients may have had a specific knock, but a lot of times the, the kid, their, their children or their, their spouses would answer, like, you know, open the door and, and answer it because they didn't know if it was a patient or if it was going to be a police officer <laughs> opening it up. They knew what they were doing and they were absolutely willing to and really Dr. Dr. Lamley was really able to say hey this is worth it to go through a lot of these these trials for chiropractic for the people that are suffering here in Waco. So from your research did you know if he was trying to be kind of secretive about it or was he being more open with it? Taking a little bit of a leap here but I would say that he would be pretty open about it. So he was the most jailed chiropractor in all of Texas. He was jailed 66 times. <laughs> so I, w- I would imagine if he was trying to be a little bit secretive of it, he didn't do a very good job. <laughs> but I, I know he was proposing as early as 1923, he was proposing licensing bills for Texas. Okay. And what's interesting about 1923 is Pat Neff was governor, who's also got the Waco connection, of mm-hmm. course. Pat Neff was governor in 1923. And if he could have got any votes in the legislature which I think he had one vote in the legislature to get a licensing (laughs) bill through. If he had gotten any votes, Neff would have supported it because Neff had defended some chiropractors earlier in his legal career. Really? Yeah, so he was sympathetic to the cause of chiropractors. Maybe a little bit more lobbying. We got got, (laughs) got the two. The other thing I learned in doing research that was really interesting is Spanish influenza, which happened right at the... I don't know. Did you run across this? Mm -hmm. You want to talk a little bit about Spanish influenza? I'll I'll, I'll let you start. No, no, you start, and then I'll... You you start. (laughs) So the Spanish influenza, I believe it was 1917, was the year that that was going around and just affected all of the United States. It was an epidemic that was going on. A ton of people were actually passing away from this influenza. And what we found, there's actually research that was found where they compared the the standard medical treatment at the time to chiropractic care at the time. And what we found was that really it was about 10 times less deaths of people that were getting chiropractic care as their main course for you know treatment of that than traditional medical care. So you were 10 times more likely to survive this incredibly deadly, you know, influenza that was going around just from chiropractic care, which is amazing. How does that work? Great, great question. <laughs> let's let's really dive into the biochemistry. If y'all have got 20 minutes just to learn about how all the like those cells, yeah. No. Just 20? We've got an hour to learn. Yeah, Go we ahead. got. We have however long we need, really. Perfect. We're going till midnight. Uh, so how does that work? Well, Chiropractic care has been shown to boost the immune system, research shows, by up to 200% uh, individuals. And and for people that are actually immunocompromised, it can be up to 400%. And so really, very basically how that works is our nervous system is our master system. It controls every single function in our body, right? You know, the brain tells the heart to beat, the lungs to breathe, the stomach to digest food. It does so by sending signals from that brain through those nerves to every single cell tissue organ that we've got in our body, right? So if that nervous system is controlling everything, it's controlling our cardiovascular system. It's controlling our digestive system. It's controlling our immune system, right? And so that nervous system primarily lives as our brain and our skull, 
right? And then actually as that spinal cord between those bones in our spine, right? Mm -hmm. So that's really why chiropractors look to the spine as really the, the cure for a lot of these illnesses or as, as the correction for a lot of these illnesses, because that's kind of the most direct path that we can have to that nervous system. So what can happen though, is that because there's such an intimate relationship between that spine and that nervous system, that if those bones in our spine actually shift out of their proper alignment, and that can be from something something big, you know, football, you know, we got a big linebacker coming to a running back, you know, the big contact like that, sports injuries, falls, car accidents. But really what we find a lot of the majority of times, it's the small repetitive things that we do every single day. Hmm. You know, if we're sitting at the desk with bad posture, you know, maybe we're on an assembly line and we're always just moving in the same direction. It's those mm -hmm. small repetitive things that we do every single day causes those bones to shift out of their proper alignment. When that happens, it can cause stress and tension and irritation around those nerves, which can lead to inflammation around it, which can cause a lot of the aches, pains, dysfunctions that we feel in our body. So really what chiropractors, what we do is we figure out exactly where those misalignments are at and guide those bones into that proper position. Really takes the tension and stress and pressure off those nerves, establishes brain connection from brain to body and back better, which then allows your body to function and heal better. Really from that basic standpoint is if we get that tension off those nerves, if we get that body communicating at that high level, no matter what the stresses are that are coming at us, you know, in life, whether it be physical stresses, whether it be chemical stresses, whether it be, you know, from those things, our body is going to be able to adapt a lot better to those. So the Spanish influenza is going around people are having major issues. The outcomes for people that are using chiropractic care is really good, but he's still getting put in jail by people who say he's not practicing with a proper license, right? Makes a ton of sense, doesn't it? Yeah. And the, the cycle here is you can think of how influential the traditional medical profession was to convince district attorneys and things like that to, to bring Limley in. I think juries probably were more sympathetic to what Limley was doing because he's not doing a lot of jail time. Because there's just so many people that, that are coming to him for care. I'm sure there were a few you know, jurymen and women that may have even had a, a relative or, or knew someone that actually had gone and received care from that office. So really with chiropractic, the way that we were kind of able to, as a profession, really become legitimized was, you know, using a lot of the testimonials and results that we'd seen from people to people and let that kind of word of mouth really spread. So we used our practice members, our, our, our patients were really our biggest advocates for us. And we were able to utilize that to really kind of build some momentum and a, a kind of a wave of positivity for us to really say, hey, you know, let's 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 go to the court of public opinion, because that's really where we'll get the most recognition. Another contribution I read about Limley is he was arguing that the educational standards for chiropractors also needed to be raised because I think one one problem the profession's facing in this early period is people putting out a shingle and saying that they were trained chiropractors. <laughs> I'll crack your back, sure. <laughs> it's yeah. like, hmm. So I think I think I think the profession owes that debt to him too because he's arguing early on that we need set high educational standards for chiropractors. And that's really shown true and made a huge impact even into today. Mm -hmm. If you stack up the the hours that chiropractors take, you know, in chiropractic school versus the hours schooling that, you know, med schools have, I mean, they're very comparable. I mean, it's it's basically the exact same. We study a little bit more into the human body, biomechanics, those kinds of things, whereas they kind of devolve more into a little bit more of drugs and their interactions with the bodies and those kind of prescriptions things. So if I'm this guy and I'm being jailed all these different times, I feel like at some point I would give up. How does he go through so many times being jailed and not ever, you know, kind of lose heart or 
I'm sure maybe he does at some point, but what else is kind of going on as he's practicing and being put in jail? Is he getting closer to his goal? I think with someone like Dr. Lemley, some people just have this, this internal drive and a passion for a cause that is unique to them and that you don't typically see in other people. And I think for him to go through that so many times, he saw the end vision of what chiropractic can do. He made sure that he took all those steps, really no matter the cost, to make that happen. I mean, if we're looking at 19... 27. It's only been 30 years as a profession. And so he knew, again, in that 30 years, chiropractic is now starting to really spread across the United States. There's becoming more and more influx of chiropractors into Texas. And so as I think as chiropractic is starting to to spread and kind of become a little bit more legitimate in the public eye in that sphere, he's looking to say, hey, maybe who's, who's someone that I can pass this torch off to? Because we have that initial person at the forefront. For a lot of these things, it's important to make sure that we're raising that next generation to be able to carry on a lot of that fight. So did he live to see the fruits of his labor? Absolutely. He actually helped write the legislation for the chiropractic bill that passed here in Texas. So he helped write it. He helped lobby for it. And I believe he even helped sign it in, into law. I looked a little further. In 1959, he gets Texas Chiropractor of the Year. So, th- <laughs> so that had to be fairly satisfying that it kind of came full circle there. Yeah, a lot of people don't get to see the fruits of their labor, it seems like, in the in the scope of history. Well, mm-hmm. well I'd even say that Chiropractor of the Year is probably a little bit long overdue. <laughs> I would say so by 59, yeah. <laughs> What other interesting tidbits have you guys found out? In the last time that Dr. Lemley was jailed and he was released, the citizens of Waco, when he was being released, they threw him a parade. I think he knew it was going to be the last time. So as you as you kind of asked earlier, you know, do, is there kind of a time where he's like, maybe I'll kind of step out? I think he knew and a lot of other people knew. So, I mean, they had a, they had a marching band. They had a they had a parade that went down to celebrate him getting out of out of jail, which is which is pretty incredible. I think Andrew's putting in a bid there for some sort of parade of some sort. <laughs> Should we do an annual Dr. Limley hey, parade? Yeah, chiropractor. <laughs> I mean, y'all can lead it off, right? I don't know if I'd have the same clout to follow in those huge footsteps, but I would I would love to. I mean, <laughs> throw me a parade. I'd, I'd prefer not to go to jail for it, but sometimes we got to pay our debts. Uh, one thing I found in looking at kind of Limley pushing for education, his dad, who is Samuel Limley, is thought to be the first graduate pharmacist in the state of Texas because the same sort of thing. Pharmacy is becoming professionalized at the end of the 19th century. And so so his dad had a graduate degree and was a certified pharmacist. And so that may be one of the reasons why he was pushing for more certification in his profession. In 1938, he uh, spoke at the National Chiropractic Association in Toronto and gave the invocation up there. So he was a member of several different organizations within chiropractic, but he actually had traveled really into other countries to to help you know, spread chiropractic and, and to push things forward there even. Uh, his brother was also a chiropractor. He practiced with Charles, with Dr. Charles in Waco, but then uh, his brother Lee moved up to Dallas to open up his own practice. So really, again, a lot of that education and, and serving others was, was in that family too. What's the legacy of the outlaw element of being a chiropractor? Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love Talk it. Talk a little bit about it. In the early 1960s, the American Medical Association actually created a committee on quackery <laughs> that yes that's that was the that was the actual name of it so and it was the sole purpose was really to discredit chiropractors and they were found guilty in the court of law in uh, the 1980s for spreading false lies and, and rumors and slandering our profession and so even again even to the 1960s after you know Dr. Lemley's passed this bill there's still a lot of people that are trying to make chiropractic not a legitimate thing 
And so from our end, it's saying, hey, you know, I mean, it, when, when we're in Texas, you know, don't mess with our family, right? Don't mess with Texas. You know, with chiropractic, it's kind of that same thing. Like, hey, don't mess with us because our goal is the exact same goal as everyone else's to help make this community and our people as, as healthy as possible. And whatever it takes to make that happen, we're going to do it. And, and that's, I, I love that outlaw mind. I, I like that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to incorporate that a little bit. I'm going to start wearing like some spurs. There you and go. My little, and my little there you go. Uh, strap my strike for hire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's got to feel pretty cool to be practicing in the same town just miles from where this pioneer of your industry was, right? It's amazing. And we are only where we're at now because we're standing on the shoulders of giants that have gotten us to where we're at now. And, and so to really dive deep and learn that, hey, there's this amazing pioneer, this amazing outlaw <laughs> that has sacrificed so much of, of himself so that I could be doing what I'm doing very comfortably and not have to worry about, hey, if there's a knock on my door, it's it's not, I don't, I don't have that potential of it being a police officer here to throw me in jail for two weeks because I may or may not be doing something the way that a street of paper tells me mm-hmm. the way I'm supposed to do it. So for me to just come in and be able to serve day in and day out with a smile on my face and not have to worry about any of those things, that's absolutely an incredible feeling. I look, so we have the years of operation of the, the Limley Chiropractic Psychopathic Sanatorium. <laughs> it, it was over at East Terrace from 1930 to 1939. I think I even saw it had, I think it had 50 beds. Yeah, 50 beds so you could squeeze them in there. It's big, but there's a ballroom. You could line them up. Mm-hmm. So quite an operation. There was a statistic here. That said, in the first 30 years of chiropractic, so from 1895 to 25, yes, thank you, 1925, that there were over 15,000 counts of practicing medicine without a license in that first 30 years. Wow. So 66 of those are all just one person. (laughs) There's there's tons of stories like this in, in other states, too, of just men and women stepping up to fight that fight, too. Well, thank you so much for bringing us this very unique Waco story. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Cross the Brazos and Waco. Thanks for listening to the Waco History Podcast. Like what you heard? Subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes so we can reach more listeners. You can find show notes and info on every episode at wacohistorypodcast.com and more info on Waco's past at wacohistory.org. Our theme music, used with permission, is Cross the Brazos at Waco, performed by the late Billy Walker. For more info on Billy's music, go to billywalker.com. We'll see you next time. In the muddy Brazos below Cross the Brazos and Waco Ride hard and I'll make it by dawn Cross the Brazos and Waco I'll walk straight in old San Antonio Then the night came alive with gunfire He knew that at last it'd been found As the ranger's badge showed brightly El Bandito lay on the ground Carmela knew he was dying That all of her dreams were in vain As she kissed his lips for the last time She heard him whisper again Cross the Brazos and Waco Ride hard and I'll make it by dawn Cross 
the brasses in Waco I'm safe when I meet San Antonio I'm safe when I meet San Antonio 